The hustle back to the Keurig thankfully happened just in time for the opening segment. Beautiful. My push in 20, I think we've talked about this before. My push had been to hydrate more before I uh, caffeinated. Caffeinate. Even though I read somewhere on online and I saw it on Twitter. Can I say Twitter still, or is it X now? I'm so confused. I felt terrible for Steel Man in the open of his show yesterday. He was so confused. I I feel you, Steely. I feel you. You switched from Twitter to X. Thankfully, I don't think – oh, I don't even have my phone. Thankfully, I don't think our logo has changed on our phone, so I won't get lost looking for it. Right. But I saw on Twitter where coffee and tea are considered in your water consumption. Now, I don't necessarily know if that would make coffee a hydrating beverage when it literally is a dehydrator. So yeah, I, I, I don't think they I could be in the same category. I agree. This was a big fight. We were fighting about my daughter was having a tea. I was like, you need to drink water, which is something I was never told when I – were you ever told when you were a kid, hey, get your water bottle, fill it up, and take it to school? Were you in an area yet where you guys had water bottles and would take them everywhere? No. No. And right? – you know, maybe in bits and pieces I was told that, but it was more like <laughs> drink your milk, drink your milk. eat right. your vegetables. Right, right, right. Hey, just just limit it to like three Cokes a day and you'll be fine. Which if I had three Cokes a day now, I'd be like 300 pounds walking in here every day. Hey, kids, what, what pops do you guys want? <laughs> exactly, exactly. We were sodas, though, Josh. We weren't pops. We were sodas up north. Uh, but anyway, So I was, I was fighting about drinking tea, and my daughter said, tea is like drinking water. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, tea is tea. Tea is not water. And we had to Google it up in the middle of the fight. And it said, if you're someone like me who tries to keep track of how much water they drink regularly, like coffee and tea counts that total. That can't. I, I still think she created a fake website to say that, but here we are. So with that disclaimer, long road to get to a short, quick story, I like to try to have a couple of uh, – Couple of my water bottle sips, chugs before we get going on the hyd- on the dehydration. So, with all of that unnecessary background, welcome into the Plank Show. Okay, something from this program yesterday has stayed with me, involving OU football and Brenton Venables for the better part of twenty four hours, and not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Uh, we tried yesterday to get into some teams that we thought would not meet expectations. And I went back and I listened to the podcast and it actually sounded like we knew what we were talking about. So we're going to attempt to do the same thing on teams that we feel like are being underappreciated, right? Teams that right now, like for instance, just not to give away the whole OU stuff, but I think when you look at a nine and a half over under win total, I don't think you you could be considered some sort of sleeper team. When you're at nine and a half, ten, ten and a half, I kind of think you reach that category where it's like, okay, they expect you to be pretty good. And, and in our world, I think it's fair to say, right, nine and three historically has been a meh kind of a season. But when you want to see growth going into the SEC, you get to nine, nine and a half wins on that over under win total. I, I, I think you're no longer in the category of being able to be considered a sleeper is that a fair category to give this sure. or yeah, I, I think that's right okay 
So yesterday on this show, are you looking up the over under win totals right now? Yeah, I'm trying to get a, a ballpark. Okay, okay. Well, I I think for Oklahoma it's nine and a half, but you're just looking in general, right? For yeah. The, okay. With that in mind, we'll do that at 10 a.m. again today. I I love the late text we got to the show, and I, I, if if I hadn't allowed my everything is it's a mess. Everything is a mess right now. The computer wouldn't charge this morning. I'm I'm stuck with the MacBook, so I can't. I'll send you a link for it, Josh. I'll send you a link for over under win totals. Uh, the the Mac won't won't wouldn't boot up. So everything is quite a hot mess right now. So I wasn't able to pull it up right away. But along the lines of the text was things I've learned from Brent Venables this off season. One felt like he didn't get the playbook to the guy soon enough last year. And again, that wasn't as much of an off season thing. Like we kind of learned that near the end of the season last year, or maybe even everything runs together. Maybe right after the season, I think he started talking about it. And he said, number two, he's not regretting, but he wishes he would have played the younger, younger guys a little bit more. Right? Sure. We heard that clip quite a bit. So I was listening last night to the Cover 3 podcast, which you ever listen to something and about halfway through it you ask and you wonder, people really listen to this? <laughs> I mean, I, it's apparently incredibly successful, but I get halfway through it and I'm like, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. But CBS does. Most of you guys do. And I think I saw Keegan text about, tweet about it last night. So he had mentioned that they – they were talking OU Texas over under win totals. By the way, quick little sidebar disclaimer. I fully understand that there is probably a faction of you that hate listening to this show and feel the same way about me, but I'm fine with it. Moving on. Bud Elliott said something near the end of the show that perked my attention involving Brent Venables. I'm going to play it for you coming up in our next segment, all right? But I want to give you the, the kind of ballpark idea of what he was laying out. Okay. He said, Brent, uh, so, and this ties into what do you feel like you've learned that Brent Venables has learned after his first year as a head coach? Or maybe what's some, what's some cues that you've taken from things that either A, you expect to see him do different, or things that he's kind of said, I, because I feel like Coach Venables has been a pretty open book about everything, right? I feel like he's been a pretty open book about, you know, we had to be a step better here, we had to be better here, I had to do a better job here. I think. Some people want to learn a little bit more about the clock management concerns that many of you have that I still I, – I, I guess you expect people to be just perfect right away with those types of things. I kind of felt like we knew there would be growing pains, even with two former head coaches there to help them out and kind of run the ship early in games. Um, but I, Bud Elliott said, Brent Venables doesn't talk trash. He's been a, a very low-key guy throughout his whole career. And in fairness, he wasn't a head coach, so there weren't as many press conferences involving Brent Venables as there were Dabo Sweeney or Bob Stoops. So maybe this is just who he's going to be as a head coach. But Elliot's take was, does it seem a little bit maybe out of character? Out of character, but also interesting. Interesting. That you have a coach who's coming off a six-win season that seems pretty damn confident with his team with the way that he's talking. Now, I, for one, don't consider the Deion Sanders point a shot. Some people do. I don't think that's a shot. That's a statement of fact. That's 
as many of us learned yesterday, seem to be of, hey, you know what? Maybe could have done that. Maybe should have done that. <laughs> Maybe it'll work. We'll see. If that wasn't going to be me, that wasn't how I did. But does it – the take about Miami was an absolute shot. I mean, that was a shot. That was – we're going somewhere. They're not. Right? Agreed with what he said about Cristobal in Miami? Sure. Okay. Would that lead you to believe on that list of things you've learned about Brent Venables this offseason? Maybe he's a little bit more confident in this team than he had been at times last year or period. Maybe he's feeling pretty good about that talent that, that he has right now. Maybe, just just maybe, some, when everyone tried, what's this mean? Is it calculated? Is it recruiting? Maybe he's not afraid to say those types of things because he thinks they're going to be pretty good. Now, we've had many shows here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, specifically this one, Josh, where I say, I may be reading too much into something we all might be reaching. But when I heard that, when I heard that last night, it was one of those, I hadn't really thought about it that way. So, in your opinion, could it be that he feels really, really good about what he's got and isn't afraid to say things like, well, I mean, if I got to deal with playing Dion, I don't care. We'll beat their backside. So, Or if we have to worry about Miami at all, who cares? We're the better team. I mean, again, is it a reach or is it a sign of, all right, Smith's got a little juice in how he feels about this team right now. I think a lot of what we saw at Big 12 Media Days was Brent Venables is more comfortable in the role, feels better about where they're at with the roster. So, no, I don't think it's crazy to connect the dots there. I think across the board Mm -hmm. that was the case for Brent Venables at Big 12 Media Days. And it probably should be, right? You're, You're in year two. Right. And... What what was the number that he threw out? Ninety seven out of one twenty three first That's right. second year guys. Or That's in right. That, in those whereabouts, and yet I think that Brent Venables thinks that's and feels like that's a positive for this team. Just uh, just something that I was, well, what's the best way to put it? In intrigued by, intrigued by, between an attitude, a mindset, and maybe an angle that we hadn't really brought up yet here on the Home Sooner fans for me personally. So I'll play it for you coming up next. You tell me what you think, all right? Now, it is another decision day for the University of Oklahoma. And, of course, I make the mistake of opening up the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, and the very first thing I see is, where's the Brooks committing right now? What? Ah, he's committing. Uh, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Central time. 9 a.m. Pacific, right. So Specific time. Clint Tulsa, we got you. It'll happen an hour or two. Hour or two. What hour you, three. Wait, 9 to 10, 10 to 11. 11 to 11. Hour three, sorry. Uh, they, all, they all run together to me. I'm used to having a two-hour show feel, still. It feels like hour two. Um, 9 to 11, uh, 9 to noon, 11 a.m. this morning. That's when Eugene Brooks of... Chatsworth, California, will make his commitment to the University of Oklahoma. And we'll bring it to you. I mean, if if he's going to stream it. Do you think we'll end up in a situation like what you had to deal with in the commitment of Taylor Tatum on Friday? I can only hope so. (laughs) You need that type of experience in your life. Builds character. So, coming up in Hour 3 today, we'll kick it off, usually with the top five stories of the day. But we'll have the commitment, the announcement of what Eugene Brooks is going to do. 
31st-ranked player in in the country, 6'3", 325-pound offensive lineman. He'll choose between Oklahoma and Texas coming up at 11 a.m. Meanwhile, if you want to stay on the media day train, let's see, we had Pac-12 in one day. In one day, they got through all 12 teams. You had the, uh, what, four-day soiree with the SEC, the Big 12, now, what, three weeks ago. And we get ACC and, what, Big 10 as well this week, too? Are you having to do anything for the Big 10 media days with Iowa? Or? Well, I mean, I'll obviously be right. covering. I, I don't know that there's, you know, anything super groundbreaking to right, media right, right. days coverage. It's just it's kind of like, oh, he, yeah. They said this. Unless – I've always felt this way. Unless a coach comes out and says, ah, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so, he, he wrenched his back at workout, so he's out for the season. It's like, whoa, wait a minute here. And That's- you know Kirk Ferentz. He's the first guy to come out to media days and say, oh, we're beating book. Michigan, we're beating Ohio State. Open book of information. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm i intrigued by I wrote down a couple ACC Big Ten storylines that we'll hear about, which, by the way, the ACC storylines are very, very simple. Very simple. Is Florida State legit? Ding, ding, ding. And can Clemson bounce back? Sure. Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's it. There, there you go. I took care of all of it for you in the span of like two minutes, but we'll hit it later on. Which they kind of sort of bounced back, you know, last season, but mm-hmm. can they get back into the college football playoff, be a legitimate national championship contender? Where Clemson is expected to be, right? That's, that's the best way to put it. So when we come back, I'll play this for you. You guys tell me if I'm reading into it and – uh, we'll go even a little bit deeper with uh, that crew's thoughts on the over-under win totals for Oklahoma. On a day in which we're talking about teams that we think can surprise, it's the Plank Show. An hour one brought to you by Van Hoos Fence, vhfence.com, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this for you, and then you tell me, am I being over-analytical? Am I wasting too much time on this, or is it a worthy conversation? Oh, it's a worthy conversation, but let's hear it. I appreciate you having my back on that. Again, this is from the Cover 3 Podcast, their episode on Big 12 over-under win totals. I hope this works. I don't know if I've used this computer for audio before. Uh-oh. Wait this, for it. This isn't a good sign. Uh-oh. What are you playing it on? I'm playing it on my computer. Computer. What program? Uh, you, The Tube of Views. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why it's not working. Mm, this is a little bit disheartening. Hold on. Well, let's, we, I have issues when I play Audacity in there. All right, so see – it's playing, it's playing there. Hold on. We probably should have done this during the break. Is it not working? No. That's not a good sign. All right. I'll, boy, that was one hell of a lean. Well, let me ask you something. Could you play something from in there if I send it to you right now? Should be able because to. Because it's going to completely and totally ruin this entire segment if we don't do this right now. <laughs> I, I understand. This would be this would be ru- Ruoud, Ruin City. Because it really at the core of it – hold on a second. It really at the core of it was the whole reason for this segment. I told you we were off to a horrible start today with my timing and everything, right? Something was just upside down Something today. was upside down. I'll tell you what, what started it while you cue this up. Oh, it's, it is, I'm sending it to production right now, and it should be right at, should be right at the spot. 37.23 is right around where I think this is uh, – this is taking place. The the dude in the glasses is talking. He says it's like thirty six twenty five in there. Just listen out when the dude in the glasses starts talking about one thing about Oklahoma. I do not know who he is. I've never heard of him before in my life. But I was driving on Highway Nine this morning. As you get that cute, Tom Fornelli. Is that who that is? Yep. 
Tom Fernelli does not look anything like what I expected him to look like. Yeah, are you saying he's kind of dorky? Well, no, no, no. I thought he was a bigger nerd. I thought he was like the nerd. I thought he was the super nerd. I thought he was like the the Stuart Mandel of 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 Cover what? Three. What are you saying about Stuart? He's Stuart a nerd. Mandel. I mean, listen, I'm a nerd, but you you look at the the nerd rankings. I mean, Mandel has the the starting spot on the depth chart with what? Maybe my man Adam uh, from ESP, Adam Rentenberg, at number two. I kind of thought Fornelli was there at like number three. Fornelli didn't. I mean, that don't look like a nerd to me. San Francisco Giants hat. Oh, yeah, okay, looks- never mind. That's a good point. But no, here's what slowed everything down for me today. I was going to say, well, that makes him a little, you know, he's, he's got the ball cap. And- right, I'm ball cap guy. But on Highway 9, there was an officer that was hidden in an area where you can't see him going one direction, but the direction I was going, you could see him. So everyone was just slamming on their brakes. You know, a little tip from Dad. If you just go about five over, you're going to get there in time, especially on Highway 9, because there are sneaky spots for cops, and it's only 50 and you're not going to beat the timing of the lights, even if you are breaking 1.21 gigawatts to try to get there. Leave earlier. Another cheat code. That's a fair point. All right. Now, 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 are we queued up? Are we ready to go? Technical difficulties averted because 36, of the greatness. 3625, is that what we Yeah, need? let's listen to it. Let's okay. see if it is. Here we go. Oklahoma's win total on CBS Sports HQ Man. about a week and a half ago. This is good. This I is from uh, the producer Chip. under right. because I just looked at the team and I was like, no chance. And then I found myself having to defend it with a schedule on the screen. And I was like, no, nope, never mind. Can't find three losses. We're going <laughs> over. The schedule's too easy. And that's that's where I'm I'm with you. Like, Bud, you said it right. I think it's probably a hollow 10-win team if I'm cashing my ticket and hitting that just right. It's not a quality 10-win team. It just happens to be the schedule that they face. Well, one it, more quick thing here, here too, like vibe-wise. Like, Andrew mentioned it in the comments. He asked if we had any thoughts on Venables having some strong sound bites the last few weeks, like taking the shots at Dion and Mario. And based on what I know of Brent Venables, it's really not his kind of approach to be kind of brash and out there and cocky. The fact that he is, do we take that as a tip-off to how he feels about his team this year? Just say Maybe. Um, I mean, he's got to feel better than he did last year. Right? I know, I mean, but I'm just saying, I think he feels like he's got something cooking this year. They almost beat the Knolls. Yeah. 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 Like, that game flipped. With a bunch of backups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game flips with, like, a couple different plays and vibes are maybe in different places for both of those teams if uh, if Florida State doesn't come out with the narrow 38-35 win. I, I like something that Danny mentioned uh, several weeks ago where just sort of in the back of your mind, you're like, all right. So Dylan Gabriel's got injury history. What if Jackson Arnold comes in and is the truth? That's yeah. Dylan, I'm not sure Gabriel's getting his job back if Jackson Arnold comes Same. in. Same. Like Wally um, pipped. I mean that. Yeah. That could absolutely happen, and he could come in and take it by fire, and then you're just different, different feeling about Oklahoma football, both for the immediate and long range. If right. uh, if it does end up being that kind uh, of. Hold story. on, one more here from Bud. One more here from Bud. All right, sixty seconds or less. Stop me when this sounds crazy to you. I got. I'm going to paint you a path for Oklahoma to go to the playoff. Okay. Arkansas State still sucks. SMU still can't play any defense. Oklahoma gives up some points, but they you know they beat them like fifty to thirty-eight. Tulsa lost a ton. Cincinnati lost a ton. Iowa State we have at in Norman, and we have no idea who's playing for Iowa State still, right? <laughs> with with, with the, they have not announced any of the gambling suspensions, if any are coming. But common sense. 
Texas doesn't live up to expectations. Are we at crazy yet? Nope. We've seen this movie before. UCF in Norman at Kansas, which didn't belong on the field with OU last year, and Oklahoma crushed them. At Oklahoma State late in the year. Like, are we sure Gundy's boys got it together? West Virginia. Is Neil Brown fired by then? This, is, this game is in Norman at BYU, a team which has very questionable depth and a pretty questionable defense. Host TCU to end the year. They lose to Texas in the rematch. Ah, they're okay. good, Chip. Yeah. Not bad. No, I can, so, I, I can like I said, it, like- the whole crux of that for me was what Tom Fernelli was laying out with Venables. But we got kind of the meat of the whole cover three sandwich there. Uh, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. Okay, let's go piece by piece. I'll We'll, we'll save. I want to revisit what Chip had to say later because he had a real interesting take earlier in their Oklahoma breakdown. Um, for Fernelli and what Bud Elliott were, were breaking down, Josh, am I reading too much into it that some of the swag that you've seen from Brent Venables might be the confidence in his team? Or, and maybe we're sleeping on it a little bit because you start looking at that path like Bud talked about, and you're like, Okay, I don't want to get too fired up about it, but that's sure, you know, Oklahoma got that part of the schedule, to be honest with you, than maybe a Texas wish it got, right? Texas still has to deal with Baylor. Texas still has to deal with Texas Tech, even though I'm not as high on Tech as others are. I think Texas still has to deal with Baylor, too. Oklahoma does not. So, I don't know. I'm just – I'm not sitting here telling you on this Tuesday, July 25th, that Oklahoma's going to the playoffs, nor do I necessarily want to find myself falling into that trap but just from an attitude, are we missing one of the real points of kind of Brent Venable's message, which is, I feel really good about this team. I do think he's confident, sure. I think that he feels with what they've done in you know, the, the quick toss-it-together signing class when he first got here, and obviously in the 23 class and what they're doing in 24, though that's not going to help you right here sure. right now. I think he thinks they're better. Yes, absolutely. And what they've done again in the transfer portal, they've uh, literally every portion of the defense have shored things up via the transfer portal. So, yeah, I don't think it's uh, necessarily any big secret. I think Brent understands, okay, you got to go earn it. You got to go prove it. But is he tipping his hand a little bit that he feels good about where they're at? Yeah, I don't think that's a, a crazy correlation to make no not at all good stuff like i said the uh the back and forth about plane rides and golf and things of that nature literally had me wanting to take my phone and throw it off the wall while i was listening to it disconnect my airpods and never ever listen to a podcast again but when they got into talking some football it's decent decent perspective was, and honestly, something I hadn't thought of. Was Danny Cannell drinking a squirt citrus soda? I think that's what I noticed. The only way we were able to get the audio was YouTube. <laughs> so, Which, again, I still am not a YouTube craze guy. I, there's money to be made there, but I don't want to sit and watch you talk. I don't. I, just, I don't get it. Well, it's for the instant reaction. I, okay. But if you're just sitting there staring at a camera the whole time, I mean, I need to be – Josh, I'm old. I need to be entertained, man. Got, got to have that radio. I guess so. All right. Uh, 405-651-3439. Agree, disagree, making too much of it. Uh, relax, Plank. We know you guys need content. Don't reach here. Whatever it is, 
or maybe there's that side that steps back and says, damn, they're, um, they're not too far off in feeling that that confidence has in what he's built and what they put together has allowed BV to maybe be a little bit more honest. Ding, ding, ding. Let's get a break. It's Plank Show, Hour 1, brought to you by Van Hoos Fence, live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios right here on the Home Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. Fair point brought up on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line from the 405. A guy that makes his living from people listening to him talk doesn't like to listen to people sit and talk. No, let me be clear. Doesn't like to watch. I'm not the YouTube guy, and I get there's money there, and I get that there's thousands of you that do and some of you it's you know it's part of the you got youtube tv it just makes it easy to sit and watch podcast yeah that's just I, that's never been my thing and also yes youtube is great people agreed i agree right <laughs> you guys do it i'd listen you guys do it uh, every podcast that i'm invited on now it's like hey uh here's the link to click on to come on the podcast and you're like okay can't just do it from my phone i gotta put you know, so I, I got to look presentable here. Maybe if it also comes from a place of uh, – and by the way, we have to do it too this year with the Sooner Sports Podcast, right? We're going to be live on Twitter. They're in the Sooner Sports – or X, whatever it is now. Uh, so, yeah, it's a fair, fair shot, but it's just never my thing. It's just never really – I don't click on YouTube for podcasts. I have my phone and I put the AirPod in and let, let the uh, brainwaves get fried – and the hearing go away. I definitely, not even because of uh, locked on Sooners. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't have a couple of years ago. I don't think. Yeah. And yet, I don't know. In the last two three years, it's covered threes on YouTube sure, right. or on three has its YouTube channel or twenty four seven sports. I mean, there's <laughs> it is a ton of content now so when, on YouTube <laughs> interviews yeah. and on and on and on. I but use. You, it, I aggregate a lot of stories from YouTube. Do you? I usually am a big YouTube just for highlights and still watching a couple of uh, documentaries and things of that nature. So for me, old man, my 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 podcast consumption is not sitting and watching it on YouTube. So that 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 was my point. I encourage you all, I encourage you all to listen or watch all of them however you want. Just not in my thing. Not your wheelhouse. No big deal. Not in my wheelhouse. All right, couple of quick thoughts on the uh, theory that Tom Fernelli brought up. Hey, listen, Oklahoma, you've seen Brent Venables be a little bit more spicy in some of his comments. Does that lead to you thinking that Oklahoma might be a little bit better than even, you know, you think? Uh, True Sooner was the first one in today on the text line. On the How about that? Everyone forgets OU was almost 6-7 and seven in Lincoln's last season. And if you want to play that game, Venables was almost 9-4 and four last year. Now he's got more talent and experienced players, his guys. I thought when I first heard him at Big 12 Media Days, it was the sound of confidence. There you go. Now, can I pull back just a little bit here, Josh? You may. I still have yet to cover a media day where I came away from hearing a coach and thought, wow, they might not be very good. I mean, even may he rest in peace, Guy Morris's Baylor Bears, whenever he would go – to a Big 12 media day back in the day, you're like, I think Baylor might be good. Did you hear what Guy Moore said? So it's just at, there's never been a time right. where a coach comes away from a Big 12 media day or an SEC media day or an ACC media day, and your take is, huh, I wonder what's going on there. I wonder if they're going to be okay. 
Well, hello there from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Pull up a chair. Let me tell you about my five-year plan. <laughs> that's not reality. Yeah, it's not happening. Um, here's one from the 405 that I think is pretty good. I think the way we look at Texas, guys, is the way we need to look at Oklahoma State. Hostile environment, November 4th in Stillwater. Then knowing this is the last bedlam we know of for now. Okay. Can we do some Oklahoma State stuff here? Oklahoma State, when we – to kick off next hour, Josh and I are doing teams that – Are undervalued. Thank you. Teams that we look at right now and it's like, I like that. Take the over. That is one that has some, for some reason, just stayed with me. It's it's a team that historically, Josh Helmer, historically has always been an overachiever, right? Oklahoma State fans agree, even though you fans. You have to agree. Oklahoma State has consistently been an overachiever. I don't. And a lot of times when you expect less, you get more. Ding, ding, ding. I, I'm trying to find it. I'm, I really am. I'm trying to find that fear of November 4th because I feel you. I hear you. But it's just it doesn't – it just on paper does not look like a very good football team. And I get it. I know. I understand. That's We've done that year in and year out where you look at teams that just don't seem very good on paper and lo and behold, they come out and they're pretty good. No one really thought much of TCU, but at least, you know, now, after they won a few games, I think people started digging deeper than just, oh, they're picked seventh in the Big 12, they must suck. And you realize, huh, there's, there's some dudes on this team, right? There's some, there's some potential. I, I don't feel like I'm doing that with Oklahoma State, Josh. I just, I'm not, I'm not seeing it, but. When you talk about the juice, when you talk about everything that's going to be around that game, then, yeah, you're absolutely 100% right. There, there should be that, oh, I don't think the term would be fear, but in how Texas was being talked about as, hey, that's a, that's a big toss-up game. I understand where you might look at it and say, okay, um, there might be some issues whenever we go to Oklahoma State just based on – the vibes, if you will, based well, on the vibes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, final bedlam in Stillwater. It will be, it will be the most venomous road environment Oklahoma faces next season. And you know, Cincinnati, of course, will be great, and BYU we expect will be really, really good. Kansas, depending upon how the season is unfolding, could be challenging as well. But probably bedlam will be from a sheer throat of the crowd right volume probably Oklahoma State will be the most intimidating I mean we know what they have at quarterback right you've got Gundy and Rangel what we don't know is all right what are you going to get from Alan Bowman because the Alan Bowman we saw at times at Texas Tech that was a pretty good quarterback right if he doesn't (laughs) if Curtis Bolton doesn't basically explode, what was it, his kidney, we, we might have found ourselves in a little trouble whenever Oklahoma was in, in Lubbock when Bowman was the quarterback. But then he 
he went to Michigan and just disappeared. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't even factored into the conversation, right? I I don't I don't even remember him being taught. Why did he go to Michigan in the first place when they already had two quarterbacks that would have been ahead of him, right? Yeah, I don't know. That was a weird move then and has played out to where it's a weird move now. So uh, Oklahoma State right here right now makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be the starter, and we've seen some good play at times. Is uh, I mean, I, I think you downgraded from Spencer Sanders. Be downgraded? You, you be downgraded. Uh Skill guys, pretty good. Wide receiver, I think they're you know in a good spot with Presley and and Bray and Arlen Bruce is a nice little pickup from Iowa. Who? All right, here's here's a trivia question. I need your guys' help on. All right, on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line four zero five six five one three four three nine. Who is a guy that was on his third college that ended up being an impact player? Hendon Hooker was on his – I mean, Hendon Hooker played at Virginia Tech for three years, right? And when he was at Vatech, I, I went and looked at the numbers real quick, but um, it, they, they weren't bad numbers. It's just they weren't, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Hendon Hooker going to Tennessee is a difference maker. It took Josh Heupel and his development, right? But that's that's only a couple of schools. I mean – Guys that are on their third round in college, you don't typically hear about having these landmark seasons. No. And, and it's not a knock on Bowman. It's just it's the reality of it, right? Typically, you're jumping around for a reason. By the way, th- this person wins the text of the day. I don't know who you are, sir. But it says, Tate Martell. Oh, that's Zane. Tate Martell. <laughs> just kidding. Emory Jones will be an interesting study this year, right? He's at Cincinnati. He's on his third school. Yeah. I mean, the uh, Keaton Slovis, I'm pretty sure he's on his third school. JT Daniels is on his third school. My, my point is the Big 12, the college of third school quarterbacks. When you're on your third school, it's not usually fear factor. You're not Joe Rogan going in there freaking out, man. It's all right. Now, if I, I liked what I saw at times for Angel last year. And we'll see if Gunnar Gundy develops. And I know they're pretty high on one of the guys that are coming in. But we don't have to worry about that. That's 24 and beyond. I don't know, just I keep, – people keep saying Cam Newton. Cam Newton was – I mean, Auburn was technically his second school. All right, I could see that. I, I would hear that conversation because Cam Newton was Florida, Blinn, and Auburn. All right, that's fair. I don't know if we need to fine-tune this and say three Division I schools – but I see the out you guys have created to win this argument. Okay? Yeah, Cam Newton. Yeah, you, he would be the one. You, you, have, you have created your uh, out to win this argument. But, I mean, Bowman? It doesn't scare me. But I don't even know if he's going to be the quarterback by the time we get there. Alan Bowman is in that list of quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo and others that, wow, when they play it looks pretty good, but they haven't been able to stay healthy. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, hey, you know what? Look, there is Brooke. Brooke has a very good one. Tanner Mordecai. We'll see what happens at Wisconsin this year, right? Has, uh, yeah, yeah, has and, been good at SMU and is expected to be good there. And, and w- when we saw him come in the game against Texas, w- we couldn't wait for Spencer Rattler to get in there quick enough. And he went from that to record breaker at SMU, and now we'll see, right? 
I would say if we have Wisconsin on the schedule, I would be a lot more concerned about a Tanner Mordecai-led Wisconsin team than I am about an Allen Bowman-led Oklahoma State team, right? So if we're going to get into the weeds on that. But, yeah, I – which is interesting because, of course, they played one another in the bowl game. Which is true, right? And Wisconsin beat them with, like, their 15th string quarterback. I, I don't know, Josh. It's a fair point to look at that the way that we look at, say, Texas for a concerning matchup for Oklahoma. Uh, we only got through two texts there and a lot of good ones. Let's get a break. When we come back, the, uh, the underappreciated overperformers. Who's on our list? We'll talk about it next right here on The Wrap. There is a uh, the report of a story that's, I guess, considered breaking right now. Uh, USC All-American Bronny James, LeBron's son, collapsed on the court Monday and had cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. Had a heart attack. He was taken to the hospital and is now in stable condition and no longer in the ICU. There was a statement from the James family. I, well, I'm sorry. There's a statement. I don't see who Shams credited this statement to. But yesterday while practicing, Bronny James suffered a cardiac arrest. Medical staff was able to treat Bronny and take him to the hospital. He is now in stable condition and no longer in ICU. We ask for respect and privacy for the LeBron James for the James family, and we will update media when there is more information. LeBron and Savannah wish to publicly send their deepest thanks and appreciation to the USC medical and athletic staff for their incredible work and dedication to the safety of their athletes. Scary, man. Yeah, I mean, just just crazy uh, to be that young and, you know, in that great of physical condition. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know, man. That's just shocking. It is. Uh, it's a scary story, but I... I would add uh, it's it's a reminder of just how important those first responders are, those athletic trainers sure. every single workout. You just never, ever know. But the good news is Bronny James is stable. He's out of ICU. You know, there's so many arms of this, right? When something like that happens, you eat, I mean, when you think you're almost about ready to get in a car wreck, and you go into that fight or flight, it changes like your whole perspective on life. And then someone cuts you off in traffic and you immediately hate everyone, right? This is a little bit different, right? This is a collapsing on the court and needing, gosh, help. I mean, they they save his life. So scary, scary story. You know, we've seen some incidents of this in the past, right? The one most noticeable one but it was also gosh almost what 40 years ago Hank Gathers Reggie Lewis Keontae Johnson most recently it's just things like this happen and you just you don't you can't fathom someone 19 20 21 years old in the the greatest shape you know in peak physical condition having cardiac arrest maybe it was some sort of arrhythmia maybe it was some sort of birth issue Whatever it is, it is great news this morning to see that he's doing okay. And hopefully it winds up being a positive that, you know, medical care professionals can find something out. You know, whether it's just was a weird freak deal and there's no long-term, you know, ramifications of this. Or if they find out that, yeah, there is an arrhythmia or, or some existing condition, you know, good to find out. It is. It is good to see that he appears to be like he's going to be okay, but it also, when something like that happens, it can change your perspective. I wonder if this you – know, the, the James don't need to make any more money. Maybe they look at it and say, all right, LeBron, get your degree. 
let's just go live our lives, right? Let's just – time for me to walk away from basketball. I, I, don't know, I, I overanalyze things like this constantly. Not to the degree of some of you on the Kennebemeyer Chevrolet text line, but good news this morning after a scary report that Bronny James suffered cardiac arrest. Looks like he's going to be okay. Not LeBron, not his dad. Now LeBron in his mid-30s, him. Scary. And there, there was one other tidbit of breaking news this morning, Josh Elmer. For all – TJ and I were joking about this in the crossover. For all the talk about running backs and value and their contracts and everything of that nature, Saquon Barkley this morning agreed to a one-year deal with the New York Giants. Right. Which is basically you know, the franchise tag. $11 million, not, not terrible. Not terrible. As you're not going to make as much as the, you're not going to make as much as corners or edge rushers do right now. But baby steps, I guess, baby steps. All right, quick break. Um, undervalued, underappreciated sleepers. However you want to phrase it, who you got? We'll dive into a few here next, right here on the Home Sooner Fans.